Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to another episode of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined with my co-host, colleague, and good friend, Zach Milner. Zach, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. It's been a long time since we've recorded, um, but happy to be back. 
It's been a, a crazy week so far as well. Um, or it's going to be a very crazy week this week out here in LA. But yeah, I'm excited to get recording again. That makes two of us, man. It's uh the holidays were all over the place, I think is a great way to put it. Um the last couple of days have been just nuts for me because WNBA free agency uh officially started yesterday and then they decided to make one of the biggest trades that happened in the last couple of years go on yesterday and um so that threw all my plans out of a wrench uh it's been it's been yeah like exactly you mentioned it's been exciting there's a lot of basketball that has gone on a lot of basketball that's going to go on for those who uh are not doing anything tomorrow night or i guess tonight when you're listening to this on uh on tuesday the 17th zach and i will be on playback doing a stream uh, watching the Kansas Kansas State game, so come out there and uh, and, and rock with us. We'll answer any questions. Have uh, plenty of fun stuff to talk about for sure. We'll uh, expect you know one or two of those rooms a week. Um, Zach, what do you want to get into, man? Let's yeah, let's get right into it. We haven't had a podcast in a few weeks. The last one we did was the mailbag, right? So we haven't yeah. really gotten too deep into any players recently. So let let's just go right into. Jairus Walker and and it's funny because our last pod that wasn't a mailbag we talked about Jairus Walker and how his role has been used but we've seen some bigger games for him recently right and I think there's a lot of interesting things to discuss about him and how his offensive upside is viewed so I think that's a good place to start today honestly yeah um so in in mentioning the bigger game so in against SMU he had uh, tied his career high because obviously the St. Joseph's game, he had 23 points, but this was like a very different 23 points in watching um, the way he operated against SMU. They absolutely bludgeoned SMU in that game. I think they got out to a 28 to six start um, and then followed that up with another really good game against Cincinnati. Obviously they played UCF the game before, which we're going to talk about as well. Um, But in seeing the way that he's starting to play, I think what stands out to me automatically, and we saw this too, uh, because did, have we talked since the Virginia game? Um, on here, I mean. Because we might I'm not because even I'm in the Virginia sure. game, you could start. I think to we see might have. Play. I think we I think we talked about that on the mailbag episode, I think. Okay. How we just discussed about how he he was used a little bit more in the pick and roll in that game, I think it was, right? Yeah. Um, I think we discussed that a little bit, but we didn't go too much into depth there. Okay. Well, I think to me, that's where you kind of start to see it. Obviously, you know, there's still a lot of variance in some of the games, but um, I think that is the starting point. Do you want to do you want to dive into it from there? Yeah, so I think where I stand and it's funny because right before these two big games for him, I I brought up I tweeted again how I brought up the I viewed his offensive upside like how how people perceive it with the projection similar to Patrick Williams and there are very very clear differences between the two. I I'm not trying to say it's a one-to-one comparison, but I do think in a way People were projecting Patrick Williams's offensive upside from Florida State to the NBA with some self-creation when most of his stuff at Florida State was when he was attacking closeouts or when he was getting his mid-range shots. It was mostly just one dribble pull-ups, and it was never really too much self-creating. I do think Jarris does a little bit more than just one dribble pull-ups, but I don't think he is really creating that many good looks for himself. Now, in these last couple of games, the shot was falling on a couple of like step back long twos or a three um, and his shot in the paint, he was making the floaters more often. So all of that is very good. And if that's consistent, it's consistent throughout the year. I want to see that. And that will change how I view his projection. But from what we've seen 
up until these recent games, I still am not confident that this is what he can do consistently. I want to see it more often. Yeah, I agree. Because even like, again, going back to that Virginia game, I think I had this thinking like, oh, this is what we're going to see moving forward, or hopefully this is what we'll see moving forward. And then he had, you know, McNeese State through UCF were pretty average, um, you know, even comparing to that. Uh, I think the way that I would say, at least for me, if you watch the SMU game, and even like I know he did not he did not score outside of free throws in the UCF game, but I think overall he's just been a lot better at being quicker and snappier with his decisions. I think like he has gone from you know the first few games looking really tentative and struggling to assert himself. I think even uh, he's been a lot better. At, okay, if I don't have a driving lane here, I'm passing the ball and then I'm going and setting a screen or I'm going to to flare out or something. Like he's just been a lot better at operating in the flow of the offense, which I think especially in the SMU game, like all of those shots are mostly coming within the flow of the offense. It's not really, like you mentioned, he's not really creating a ton. Um, It's just him getting the ball and pick and roll. And like, there's, there's more to it than that. But I think um, overall, like you just see a little bit more. uh, I think that his feel has just looked a little bit better than it did earlier in the year. Yeah. And I want to say, I actually do think he's trying to create more for himself. I just don't think the actual looks that he's getting or the team is getting have actually been that good of looks. And that's where sort of, that's where my pause comes from a little bit before like, okay, I want to see this over like a 10, 15 game stretch, not a two, three game stretch. If we're going to say like, okay, now it's, he's consistently making tough shots. I'm still a little bit skeptical there, but I do think the offensive upside and intrigue is is there i'm just more on the lower end um of how confident i am in that actually becoming likely um yeah that that's that's where i am i think it's more comes down to how people view i think i think when it comes to this stuff it's how you how confident are you that something happens i think we all see the flashes that he shows he his ability to attack close out with his movement is very impressive at his size on the perimeter but how likely do you think that's going to be a consistent part of his game? And that's where I'm a little bit skeptical, but he has done a better job the last couple of games. And I think I still want him to get to the basket more often. I still think he's settling for floaters a lot, especially with like the body he has. I think he can be more physical and aggressive and actually try finish through contact and not have to settle for floaters all the time. Yeah, well, part of what was cool is in the SMU game, he did dunk on somebody. And I was like, I I don't think it was the first time this season, but like, I think it's telling that, you know, we're talking about it, like feeling like it was the first time he did that this season. And even like, again, in the UCF game, his foul that he got is because he tried to dunk over somebody and he ended up, ends up getting fouled. Um, Exactly like you're saying, like he could be, it feels like he could be doing that three or four times a game. If it's like really, you know, what he's setting his mind to is it's almost like too reductive to say that I feel, but um, cause it's not that simplistic, but, um, again, it's the, it's the process stuff that you want to see. Yeah. But I also want to say one thing with him and, and I'm not trying to come off as being a low on him. Cause I still am quite intrigued with him as a player. And I think even if I am a little bit on the lower end of the offensive upside with him, he still brings so much to the table to where he's still worth a top pick. Um, he's really good in transition. There's so much to like about his defense, which is what we'll talk about in a little. He has shown that short roll potential and his ability to make passes out of it. And he's also been flashing a three-point shot. I still think the volume is low and it hasn't been 
as consistent or I think the volume hasn't been that since I don't know. It's tough because the volume has been consistent, but consistently low. <laughs> um, but there are games because of the volume being so low, like there was a, a big stretch where he didn't even make a three in a game just because he's not shooting that many. So I think that you want to see the shot continue to show, but you see transition play, the pick and roll ability and the defense. And even if he doesn't have the offensive upside, all of that is still a really, really valuable player. And if you are confident in him succeeding in all of those things, that's still going to be worth a top eight, top 10, or back-end lottery pick. But if you do view the offensive upside as something that, oh, he actually can self-create consistently, and whether it's get better looks in the future or just consistently make tough shots, then okay, then I get to understand the, okay, maybe five, six, seven. I'm not there yet, but I think that's where other people are. I think that's how that's why people viewed Patrick Williams as a top four guy in the class, top five guy, and it hasn't, I mean, that class as a whole honestly hasn't been great. So it doesn't even look like the worst thing right now, even though yeah. I don't think he lives up to that kind of expectation. But yeah, I think a lot of it just comes out, down to that kind of stuff. And yeah, Patrick Williams in, in college still thought he was a good prospect. He brought secondary in protection. He was a, a solid shooter, can pass when he attacked and closed out. So he does a lot of the stuff, but just the offensive upside stuff is where I differed there. Yeah. Um. Well, one, I mean, I, well, I guess what I want to ask you off that, what was Pat Will's defense like at Florida State? Like, how did it compare to Jarris's? Because, I, I mean, I wasn't watching that class. Yeah, I, I think Jarris's defense is much better. I was um, going to say, because, like, it's hard for me to <laughs> – I can't envision a freshman playing much better defense than what that, than what Jarris is doing. Yeah, I think, I think Pat Will had some smart rotations and was good at contesting shots at the rim, um, secondary rim protection, and, and showed some good blocks at the rim and verticality, but he was not good defending the perimeter. Um, he just, he was, he was slow sliding his feet when he had to try stay in front of people. And that's where, that was also one of my concerns with him. I think he actually has gotten better with that um, in the NBA, but that was a concern with him. And I think Jarris, what I want to ask you is, there's so much to like about his defense. What's your favorite thing about his defense? Because I honestly, I think, I think people can say three or four different things and I'd be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Well, I know we've talked about the hard tagging a ton because he hard tags everything. And I appreciate that. Um, I think my thing is just how uh, aggressively on balance he is. Like very few of his fouls come up from, from attacking on the perimeter. Like I think most of his fouls come on. Um, uh I don't know. Maybe that's wrong, but I feel like most of his fouls do come off. Like he's not even like a high foul guy. Now I think about it. Um, But like a lot of his fouls are just coming on. uh, It's not even late rotations, but just sometimes just being too long and, you know, not, not timing things correctly. But like, he's so good at, at his size. Let a, like you just mentioned, moving his feet, he moves his feet so incredibly well. He rarely crosses his feet up. Like he has really good defensive footwork because there's a difference between being able to move laterally and having good defensive footwork. And he has both. Um, he uses, like, I never feel on defense, like he's smaller than he is. And I think that's, what's really exciting about him. And he honestly, he plays even bigger than he is sometimes on defense too, because of how quickly he rotates, because of what his length is, because of how he uses his strength. Like, I think my favorite part is when he, like he, what's really, I think he's like, uh, raining in a little bit, but he's really gotten good at picking spots to freelance and just blow shit up. Um, Like there's a possession early on in the SMU game where it's kind of early offense. 
the ball handler accidentally traps himself in the corner against the a defender and posts up to try and save himself. And then Jairus is just like, nope, and uh, comes flying off the opposite side slot because the offense isn't set and forces – it's almost a turnover. He ends up just forcing the ball out of bounds, knocks it off the guy. But, like, the guy didn't see him coming, was, like, totally surprised. Like, stuff like that to me – when you see a guy like making those high level quick decisions as a defender, like, Oh, I have an opportunity to really cause havoc here. That stuff's exciting because I mean, a, you can't really teach that B. I think that just shows how he, how he sees the floor as a defender. Um, But there's, I mean, there's exactly like you said, there are a million things that you can look at and be like, this is awesome. Yeah. I was going to ask like, okay, pick and roll coverage and what you can do there. Just having the size to defend wings pretty valuable yeah. smart off ball defense there's just so much to like about his defense which is why even if like i said the offensive upside stuff doesn't come around with self-creation as long as he's able to like hit spot up threes and or go to the short roll and make decisions out of there you're going to have a really valuable player yeah exactly and i think that's and again this is not meant as like shots at pat will but i think uh we actually talked about this. Uh, I think you and I in a, in a, in a group chat somewhere just about how, cause I wrote about this and uh, on a player that we're going to talk about later, but um, like just the concept that it's really hard to be, if you're not in a place that is like, you know, very focused on, on being development first, it's very hard to work on both sides of your game at the same time while still being a player that coaches feel you can, can get opportunities to play. And I think part of what's helped is exactly like you mentioned. Like, I think not that I thought Pat Wool's defense was bad his first two years. I think it's finally like come up to a level where I'd say it's pretty good now. Um, but like there were the real moments of him struggling out on the perimeter in years prior, like the change of direction could be a real issue for him. I don't have those concerns with Jarris. Like, I think you can put Jarris in right away and be like, I think this guy is going to be a plus defender off rip. Um, like, yeah, there's always going to be a learning process with things, but he's such a high level defender and processor and thinker of the game on that end that I'm just not worried about it. So that makes you, at least for me, that makes it a lot more understandable. Like I, again, I'm still not sure where I would fall on him. Um, as like you mentioned in terms of the five, six, seven range, I think I, I ended right. up having him go, I think ninth on my mock that I just put out. Um, and even that felt rich a little bit, but part of that was, it was OKC. Um, but like, I think when you start looking at how high his floor is on that end, it gives you a lot more um, leeway for him to work out and rep on some of the other things. Yeah, and not to go into Pat Will too much, but one more thing I want to bring up with him is I do think to his credit, just where he went and it being Chicago did make it a little bit tough for him as yeah, well. He's, sure. and, he, and he's also dealt with injuries, um, but he, he went to a spot where he wasn't really able to develop the offensive game much because he was always going to be playing behind DeRozan, Levine, and then they had Vucevic, right? Like all, like he never really had the opportunity to um, really get the rep that he needed for him to actually reach the offensive upside that some people thought he had. Um, now I'm not sure if he got the reps that it wouldn't, what it would have changed much um, in terms of him succeeding there or not, but you, you need to get those reps if you're taking a guy that high as well, in my opinion, especially because if you didn't view him that way, I don't see how you can take him that high. So it is a little unfortunate, but that's why where you land is is pretty important because they, they need to have the right de developmental path for you. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a really great way to put it. Um, Cause like exactly like you're mentioning, if, if you, 
if you land them in the wrong spot and they're like, okay, well, we're not going to be a super high uh, or like it's more like, okay, let's put it like this. If they have a guy that whatever team he goes to has a guy at the five where they're like, you know, we pretty strictly need to have him operate out of the dunker spot and as a, a primary pick and roll threat. Not that the, that Jarris can't get reps, but I think that just silos him a little bit into what he is doing on the court. And then they're going to be asking, like in theory, you get the team asking more, okay, well, we want you to space. Like we're going to put you in the corner. I'm like, okay, well, that what is that doing? You know, A, is that really Im- impacting anything? B, is that giving him opportunities to improve? Like they, they, I think you're, you're bringing up a lot of great points. Yeah. Yeah, what one thing that I should have mentioned also is DeRozan wasn't there the first year that he was there, but it was it was it was tough after that, right? Like yeah. this, yeah. So once once the once the Vooch trade happened and then the DeRozan stuff came, it's like okay, when when is he going to be getting these on ball reps? And yeah, I, I think that it's been it's been clear that he hasn't really had the chance. I think he has been able to show some flashes, and he has a few stretches of games here and there. They're like, oh, okay, here we go. But but yeah. Um, do you have more you want to talk about with Jarris, or should we move on to another Houston guy that we've uh, that I've enjoyed watching? I think you have also, but yeah, no. Let's talk about Tremont Mark because um, Tremont Mark has been very fun to watch of late. Um, I'd always like. I mean, you know me. I love me my sneaky fringe prospects. So I'd always. And I mean, I feel like the entire Houston roster is like random guys who could go in the second round, and you wouldn't bat your eye. Obviously, this year there's a higher profile. Um, but yeah, Tremont has just been on a different level recently. Uh, and I, I, I want to turn it over to you first, like where, because I know you, you brought up initially wanting to talk about him. What happened that made you want to talk about him? I just think over like the last five, six games or so, he has been one of their best players. Um, even through like Jarris's two great games, I think if you just go like to the five games, I think he's just been so good. There's just so many different things that he has done well. He's making nice defensive plays. I love his physicality. I think that's a really... I really like his defense. That, yeah, the, the physicality is great. He has some nice finishes at the rim. He's been shooting well. Um, there's, just, there's just so much to like. And I, I think that you put him into a, a role on an NBA team where he isn't asked to do like it's not like he's asked to do too much right now, but I think that you put him in a role where he's asked to do a little bit less, and I think his efficiency can even get so much better. And he still brings other things to the table that will bring value. Where like yeah, you and I both know that, and, and most people who watch him know that he can score and he can create some shots for himself and make some tough shots, but there's still more other things that he brings to the table where he doesn't necessarily need to be doing that to provide value. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, exactly like you're hitting on in the UCF game. Like, I think what stands out in the UCF game is like he hit some wildly contested shots inside and outside of the arc. And that was really important them winning that game. Um, I think he's flashed some really nice passing ability too. like he's gotten to the line, I think, more times in the last four games than he did uh, almost the entire beginning of the season. Um, Like he he gets to the line seven times in that UCF game. It's the line nine times against South Florida. That stuff's been really interesting because you see what can happen when he's attacking off the second side. But exactly like you're mentioning, like the defense he he displayed, a couple of the shots he creates are because he forces a steal or he is able to shut down an action on the other end. Like he he has kind of a high base, but he's really good at using his length and physicality. Um, I like his closeout techniques quite a bit too. Um, I think that's been fun to watch. Um, and also too, like I I feel like I didn't have enough. Like the passing is really like you wouldn't note it from just the box scores. 
Um, but I think he he shows a lot as a as a playmaker, like just in terms of continuing plays and you know doing some secondary stuff. Um, and exactly like you're hitting on too, because not that I mean Houston's offense is fantastic. I think like sometimes the lane can get a little bit clogged because their their spacing can be like not that it's bad, but I think there are some shooters that you can you can lean off of. Like I, defenses have still been really fine with leading off of Jamal Shedd, even though he's taking more threes this year. Um, but when you envision okay, Tremont Mark doing kind of the things that we talked about with Terrence Arsenault at the beginning of the year, who is like, I think still a long-term prospect, but has been a little bit phased out of late. Um, I think you get some of the same kind of concepts of what he can be probably with not the same level of movement shooting. Um, but in terms of what he's bringing as like a second side guy who can just operate within an offense and be a positive defender. Like, yeah. You see a lot of things to like with him. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that's, is like the quick rundown on him. I think we both agree that there, there's intriguing defense. The passing is probably a little bit underrated. I do think the, the finishing probably can be more consistent. I Like I said, I do think he has been able to show some night finishes through contact. I'd like to see it be more consistent there. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot to like. And then I think you brought up that UCF game, and I thought his defense in that game was so fun to watch. Yeah, I, I mean, I think really he good. was great on both sides of the ball, to be honest. But there were so many good defensive plays. Um, SMU, I think you can see his his physicality. Like, I, I just think his physicality on defense, you can just see him getting up into his man, pretty much on them, slides his feet well, and it makes it tough for them. And maybe he bites on the pump fake or two that he doesn't need to. But I think that's just part of his defense, where he's pressuring you so much that it probably – in the long run, it still helps you more than it hurts you that he he might bite on a pump fake. Yeah, I think what's I a, I just love watching this team. They're so good, but it's like, who are you supposed to attack defensively on this team? Like, exactly. Like, I mean, obviously, I mean, like, it, it's not as simple as that. But yeah. like, it's not as simple as that. And Sasser is probably the worst defender who they have on the lineup. But it's not like Sasser's like some guy you can easily like just go yeah. at time and time again. He's just. He is probably the weakest of the guys that are on the floor, but that's not really criticizing him too much there either. It's just he's surrounded by Jerome. Well, exactly. Because it's like, all right, it's It's like, all right, if we put Marcus Sasser in action, like, cool, like he, you can, you can try and blow him up with the screen, but then, okay, you're bringing Jarris Walker or Juwan Roberts or anybody the fuck else into it. Their help defense is so fun to watch every game. Like, it's it's just really really fun to watch, and I think that it's something to to keep in mind when when evaluating prospects and and development and just knowing what kind of context they come from. And I I, I trust people coming from like Houston. Okay, I think they'll be good defenders. Like at least like they understand the team defense fundamentals. And yeah, every team has their own scheme. But I just I really really enjoy that they're able to to succeed in that scheme in that scheme at least. Very random shot, but the only like actual concern i have about this team defensively is when they play a big like a really big big because i think we saw that at times in the alabama game not that they had like massive bigs but they really struggled to score through charles bediaco i think even you know um not that he was just getting the ball in the post but i think just having that size and presence could be an issue for them so i'm interested to see how that continues out because they're not going to face anybody like that in the aac right now Um, at least not on a team that can really punish them for that like i would love to see this team play purdue in, in the NCAA tournament, sneakily, just to see, because that would be a really fun context to evaluate. But uh, I think we're good on on Houston. Um, yeah, but- I, let me just ask you this. Where, where do you think you, you'd you see, or where where would you feel comfortable taking Tremont Mark at the moment? Uh, 
I think what's so interesting about this is I think, you know, we'll probably, I don't know if I'll get pushback on this. I don't, I'm not saying that I would take him in the first round now, but like, I think you can legitimately, when you look at what the back end of the first round is right now, if he keeps playing like this for like the remainder of the year, I could, I could have a discussion about moving up, up to like the 25 to 35 range. Yeah, I agree. Right now, I'm not 100% sure where I'd have him. I haven't gone have a final board when I was when I was on my flights I sort of got bored at time where I started making stuff off the top of my head I, I left a few guys out and stuff I had like yeah. a brief top 20 top 25 so he wasn't in there um but I definitely do see um late first potential if he does keep up how he's played the last couple of weeks and and, and just from what I've seen so far I'm at least comfortable saying I would 100% feel comfortable using a draft pick on him in the second round how high I want to take him is still up in the air but he's definitely someone who who's been good this year and I'm excited to watch him play the rest of the year yeah I'm right there with you um all right let's talk about Jet Howard who <laughs> is just like we were already high on him I think you and I have been kind of Saying banging the drum sounds like we're water carrying, which I don't think we're doing that. But like you and I have both been high and looked at Jet as a first round prospect since pretty much the beginning of the cycle. Um, and now I think you and I have talked about this multiple times just on on our tag roll stream. Like I think we're getting very comfortably into the range of he's going to go in the lottery. Um, yes. And I think it's trending towards upper lottery again, like not to just keep spreading my mock, but I had him going seventh in 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 the mock and then the same day he had like the best game of his career. So um <laughs> yeah, it's, it's while hilarious. we were on playback, by the way, watching this live, which was a lot of, fun. it was insane. That was one of those games where um you kind of just put down any notepads um and you're just, and like, just going to watch this. Cause this is like, you watch yeah. somebody having an out of body experience. Of course they end up losing that game, which tough, but uh that was a special performance. Agreed. And um yeah, so I'll start off. If people haven't been able to see, I actually wrote about Jet. Um, it came out two and a half weeks ago now. We haven't po- had a podcast since then, so I'll just put that out there. Um, you can find it on my Twitter. I dive into, and and at the time, he wasn't even, like, now he's projected to go in the lottery. At the time, he was projected to go, like, around 20. I think he was, like, 19 on, on ESPN, like, I think 23 or 24 elsewhere. Now he's lottery, and I was trying to make the case for that, but yeah. I, I think that I'm very comfortable taking Jet Howard in the lottery. I think where you stand on his offensive upside or his defense will determine how high you can go with him. Um, but like if, if you're all in on his offensive upside and you don't think he's going to be a liability on defense, yeah, I could I think you can go as high as five and I wouldn't question it, even though I think I'm probably a little bit lower than that because I am skeptical with the defense like i mentioned before um but early in the season when we talked about him i said how i thought he looked stiff with the ball and i didn't see that much offensive upside from the first couple of games this season and i was wrong there i definitely see the offensive upside now which is why i wanted to write about it he has continued to improve um as the season goes on and i i've, I've loved that about him and the, the the great thing about it is he's doing it in, in different ways. He's he's shooting off the ball, but he's also pulling up off the dribble out of the pick and roll. He's coming off pin downs and taking dribbles and hitting mid-range shots. He's had some nice handles to get into the paint. I, I still think he can do a better job of getting all the way to the basket, but yeah, he, he's just doing so much on offense. And I actually thought about this yesterday. Um, I haven't, I think I've only brought it up to one other person, not you though, but his his offensive upside right now 
sort of reminds me, and there are differences, but it sort of reminds me how I viewed Devin Vassell's offensive upside when he was at Florida State. Definitely very, very different players on defense. <laughs> but um, I, I do see a lot of similarities on the offensive side of the like from projections. That's interesting. So again, like I, I had, a, I, I didn't get to watch him as a prospect. Um, so that's what's really fun to to think about because like that's the kind of thing I want to go back and watch but um exactly like you're mentioning because like the in-season growth has been really astounding from him and just watching it I think the first game where it really popped where he had like a lot of shake in his handle was the Minnesota game and their first game of Big Ten conference play mm-hmm. um and one thing I want to bring up too because in that game against Iowa he's 12 of 22 from the field that's where like I mean he's like I think he threw in like a sham God, like he was doing some wild shit with, with respect to his handle in that game. Um, And we got a question about like, or at least I think I got a question about this on Twitter. Like, well, how much does it account for you that this is happening against the Iowa defense? And I was like, on one hand, I get it. And on the other hand, like he's still doing it. Like, yes, it's the kind of thing that you want to see, but like that kind of thing to me was like, I think you can be like, okay, well, I don't expect him to shoot seven of nine and, and a half from deep, but when you see somebody who's like breaking out handle like that, I think to me, that's like, okay, well, I don't really care who he's playing against. Like, I think that it's happening matters. Like, obviously it, it matters who he's playing against, but you get yeah. what I'm saying. I, I think there are, thir- are there are certain things you can take away um, from even playing bad defenses. And I, I think that it comes to when you play bad comp, like mid-major schools as well. And I, I think that sure, like, you're not I I think the way to look at it is like, okay, if you're gonna like just bully people and drive through them to the basket, okay, maybe that's not going to translate it stuff. Um, or let's say you have a slow release, but you're going against a team that doesn't have length, so like they're not really bothering your shots. There's there's this kind of stuff that you can look for. But for what he was showing this game with with some of the handles in tight areas, as well as like being a little bit more shifty than we had seen in the past, and then making tough shots even over good contests. That's the stuff that you want to see that you're okay with, even against bad defenses. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, well, in ter- just in terms of talking about what else he's doing, because we, we talked about this too. Um, what's interesting, it almost feels like less of his shots are coming off movement now and more of them are starting to become the self-created pull-ups. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just me thinking too much about the Iowa game, but that's how it's felt in watching things. Um the next thing that I really want to see, because I do feel like, especially as that Iowa game went on, I mean, it's worth knowing, like we talked about it too, like he really started forcing the issue later on in the game, which on one hand, I get it. Because what that, I mean, that first half is one of the best offensive halves I've seen from somebody um, just scouting like a wing in general. Um, but it is worth noting, like, yeah, he was struggling a little bit in, in, in like not even struggling, like he wasn't looking to pass for the most part. Like he was, he was there to take shots that game. Um, but I think the thing that you and I are both looking for, it's worth noting, like, this is a process. We are talking about a guy who was like a connective wing at the start of the year to now is like showing some, uh, potential real, real shot creation upside. And he's shown the passing flashes and not even just flashes, like consistent passing ability throughout the early portions of the year and still has throughout the year. Um, and now I think as defenses have continued to tailor their schemes to, to who he is and what he's doing, seeing how he grows as a passer from there is what's going to be really interesting over the back half of the year. Exactly. And and then you go from him not looking to pass in the Iowa game with zero assists to having seven assists the next game against Northwestern, um, which was his season high. But 
you I think there was one play that stood out to me in the Northwestern game. It has him coming off a screen. He has you really get to see. I'm going to clip it and post it, but it was a really good example of his shooting gravity. I think he drew two defenders to him in the corner and he just dumps it off to the guy at the rim and it's an easy assist, but being able to use that gravity to make passes to create easy looks is what you want to see. And and like you mentioned, now that defenses are probably going to adjust how they defend him, how is he going to adjust to that? Yeah, exactly. Um, I am very excited to continue watching because I just I exactly I think we we've talked quite a bit about the defense like the defense is is not is is pretty underwhelming yeah it's just flat out bad um and I think that's what's really what really will be the differentiator on where guys uh, where people have him uh ranked and, and where he ends up going you know just comfort level with the defense um has that changed in your mind at all um while he's shown more of this stuff so I guess from the first couple of games to now, yeah, the defense looks better. Um, but I still think it's pretty bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not at all. Tactics, yeah, yeah. Is- no, no, no. I, I, yeah, I still think it's pretty bad. Um, if I was optimistic about the defense, I probably would say, yeah, I'm comfortable taking him at five. Um, now I'm, I'm still I'm still comfortable, definitely comfortable in the lottery. And I think even eight to ten, I'm, I'm probably that's where I take him right now. Um but yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty worried about the defense. I do think there is some areas that I can see improvement happening. Um, but I've mentioned this time and time again. I think his best skill on defense is his recovery. But on the other side of that is he's also the reason he has to recover at times. So, okay, he might come off when he's chasing a guy wide off of the screen. So he has to recover and then he's able to use his size and length to block the shot from behind. But he's the reason that he had to, to recover in the first place or he's defending a guy on the perimeter he gives up the first half a step but he's able to recover because he has the length and size to block a shot still at the rim so um when you go against better athletes in the nba you might not be able to use your length and size to recover to the same extent that you are in college and i think that is worth noting but you you have been able to see his his size be a factor and i think that when watching the nba there, there are certain teams that can just use size in the wing. And, and sometimes just having size, whether they're a good defender or not, can still help. And I do think that is a pretty low bar for a team that's trying to win a championship. Yeah. Um, but there is some value just having a guy with size in the wing. So I, I wouldn't say like, I'm okay, I'm totally out. He'll never be a good defender or he'll never bring any kind of value to defense. I wouldn't say that but I am pretty skeptical there as of now. Um, but I, like I said, I do think there has been some small improvements from early in the year to now. So I want to see if we see more improvements from now to the end of the year. Yeah, I agree. Um, also, I know he's not on our docket, but I do just want to say shout out Kobe Bufkin because he's mm, been definitely. playing really damn well lately. He was really good in that Iowa game too. So it was he's like- He's been good for a few weeks now and, and his improvements are great. But before we, we can go back to him if you want for a second, but yep. I do want to bring up one more thing with Jet. Is I, I brought it brought up of how he had to recover. I still think that um, the off-ball defense just doesn't make too much sense to me with him. And I wanted to try to give him some, some leeway for maybe it was- their defensive game plan, their scheme and how it is. But like, I've, I've found clips of him defending the same guy um, with like everyone being the same in the action. He does it one play and doesn't do it another play. And then you put another, like you put Kobe Buffett in the same position and he's helping on a drive or something. Like 
I, I think there are just times where, where Jed is just not tuned into what's going on off the ball on defense and he's missing a tag here or he's missing a stunt or a dig when he has done it at other times or other teammates are doing it. So I can't say, oh, it's just because of how they want to defend. I, I think it's on him. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I think a lot of it is just kind of, I'm not going to say lazy, but like, I don't really think that um, just the overall defense there, they leaves a lot to be desired considering that I think that he's capable of making a lot of plays. It's not like he, I think it's just general. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. Um, just not paying attention a lot on defense. Yeah, I think that's a better way to put it than lazy because I honestly don't think him being lazy is the reason the defense isn't bad. I think it's actually been how he is playing. Like, I don't think it's just him not wanting to do stuff, but it's him just not knowing to do stuff. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Um, all right. Well, let us move on to our next person, another Big Ten guy who is playing uh, some, some basketball, Bryce Sensabaugh. At Ohio he certainly State. is playing some basketball. He's playing basketball. Um, I think this is the first time we talked about him since the first episode, right? Is it really? Wow. I think um, so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, so he's had a pretty nutty freshman season right now. So in 17 games, he started eight because they just they put him into the starting lineup when Isaac likely went out, and then he hasn't looked back since. Um, he's averaging just under 17 points per game on 50, 46, 82 shooting. It's pretty good. And he's a high volume three point shooter. It's not just like I'm taking some threes here and there. Um, I mean, the automatic sell is he is a shot making wing who like makes a, uh, I mean, the pull up shooting numbers are pretty nutty inside the arc. He, a lot of his shot diet consists of pull up twos. Um, He's, I mean, he's got a high release point. His shot is very smooth. Um, but right now, like the, I, I think if I remember correctly, it could have changed since the last time it looked, but I believe he had the lowest um, usage to assist ratio uh, among high volume players in the, in the NCAA. It's close to it. Um, this is 32% usage averaging one assist per game which is uh, a lot. He's leading the Big Ten in usage percentage currently right now. Um, and this is not at all meant to just be like slander, just saying like there's to, to give a picture of what's going on. How do you want to start off on this one? Um, I think there's a lot of ways. I, I think we should just talk about how great the mid-range shot making has been as a whole. I do want to say the last three games, it has sort of come down to earth a little. And that's what I want to see going forward of, of where it ultimately is, because he was at one point, let me, I'll get the number and I'll say it in a little, but he was shooting a ridiculous number on mid-range shot, jump shots. So not at the rim, obviously. Um, and it just seemed very, very unsustainable, but he had continued to shoot well and well and well. But now over the last three games, and this is, including stuff at the rim, but he's 11 for 31 on two point shots over the last three games when he was, and he's still like over 50% on twos on the year, which shows how good he was early in the season there. But he has started to see some regression there um, in the, in the mid range and from two in general. I think that that is something worth noting. You brought up um, the, the passing. Okay, here, actually I have it. So as of December 30th, he was shooting 65.5%, which was 19 for 29 on off the dribble jump shots inside the arc, which is 65% on pull-up twos is, is 
just a ridiculous number. Like that's up there with, I don't, I don't know, like Kevin Durant's number off the top of my head or, or what DeRozan's number or CJ McCollum, but like he, he was shooting to the level of like an elite mid range shot maker. And it's very, very uh, intriguing if someone can keep up that percentage or even close to that. Like even if you have 50, like 50%, 55% on those shots, that's, it's very, very impressive. Um, mm. So we'll, I want to see where that is at the end of the year, but I definitely think like when you see that, you're like, okay, well, there's definitely going to be some regression coming. Where is it going to normalize and that? But when you shoot that well for that long, it's like, it's definitely part of someone's game. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you're, you're hitting on a lot of great things here. Um, I, so yeah, I, I think exactly what you're saying. It's definitely part of his game, but like you're mentioning, like, even if you just look at the way that it's come down in, in conference play. So he was shooting fi- almost 53% on twos um, on the whole season. And that's 45% in conference play. Um, we'll also noting too, part of what's tough is he really does not get to the rim a lot, um, yes, especially self-created. Um, like a lot of the stuff he's getting to at the rim is off cuts. And I do think he actually cuts pretty well. Like, I think he's a good, not great off ball mover. Um, I think is how I would put him right now. Like he finds some good pockets to attack the rim and, and, you know, but he is still mostly a, a below the rim finisher, even with the amount of dunks he has on the season. Um, so it's it's like that's why it's important to talk about because it's like all right if you are not shooting forty five percent on pull up twos what does this look like and how you're impacting a defense because um, that changes the calculus a little bit I want to ask where are you at on him as a playmaker though or just passer in general I think it's improved um, from early in the year to now I do want to talk about his attacking we'll, we'll go back to that in a few yeah. um, but to answer the question about the playmaking I think it's improved I definitely do think that there are multiple times a game where he misses the open guy and he's looking for his own shot. But I do think he has shown some advanced passes um, to where I'm like, okay, there's definitely some potential here. It's not something that I'm like, I'm 100% worried here. Um, I, I definitely think there is room for improvement there, but I do think that he can, he, he's shown some improvement there as well. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, no, get back to what you were going to say about attacking though. Yeah, so you brought up that most of the stuff is not self-created when he attacks. And I just wanted to give some numbers because I tweeted about this on uh, like 10 days ago or something. But um, as of January 6th, and it, it, it's changed now, obviously, but he only had eight um, field goal attempts at the rim that were pretty much self-created. So I looked at pick and roll, ISO, handoff, spot up, and off-screen play types, which off-screen isn't fully um self-created but it's not like a transition or a putback or a cut so I, I put it in there and he only had eight of that through 14 games which is not ideal and, and like like we brought up the elite mid-range shot makers i think they're some they do a better job um than, than him getting to the rim so you want to see that but then um another thing that i noted in my tweet is while he had eight through 14 games four of those came in the last five games so i think that he is starting to show it more often i actually do think he has a pretty solid first step um i don't think he is the most explosive or like can maintain beating someone all the time but i actually do like his first step attacking closeouts to a certain extent i do think he can settle for a, a, a shot um instead of attacking all the way or sometimes they're able to recover and get back in front of him one thing I want to see him do more, and obviously he's <laughs> very different to Cade, but I do think that I, I want to see if he's able to like use the strength on his drives that Cade was able to use at Oklahoma State to get some better looks at the rim. Because 
sure, Cade's just obviously a better on-ball player, and he had a lot to his game, but Cade isn't the, like, the quickest guy either. He was able to bully through players with his strength and get all the way to the rim, and I want to see Bryce do that a little more often. Yeah, I agree. I would uh, – I think – I I mean, part of this goes right into defense too, um, but, like, I feel like – yeah, I, I just never really feel like he plays his size, um, which I think exactly like you're hitting on, like, that's part of what's interesting about him. Like he has the ability to really play with strength. And I think if he leaned into that, like obviously most of the time when we're talking about somebody who's more of a low rim athlete, you're like, you know, you leaning into strength is, is interesting here. But like with him, I think there's a lot where it's like, okay, that could really pop your drive game. You're six, six, two sixty. Um, you, you are built like a defensive end. Let's see some strength stuff here. Um, so I think that's a really great counter to mention. And I, I, I think that I'm hoping that we will be seeing more of that. On on the strength aspect, before we move to the defense, because I know we have stuff to say there, um, I want to say I do think he uses his body well when he's creating shots in the mid-range. He's able to create space by bumping players yeah. off that way. I just want to see him use it to go through players to get to the rim. And I, I think that's what we want to see. Um, one question before we go to the defense side, though, is do you think – so like a lot of people are going to bring up um, he's going to get better. I guess it goes into defense. People are going to say he can get better and quicker on defense by losing weight and all that kind of stuff. How how important do you think it is for him to lose weight? Or do you think just him keeping that kind of bulky build is going to – do you think keeping the bulky build can help his game to where he probably shouldn't lose the weight? Where do you view there? Or how do you view that? I think my thing is that more so – everything with Bryce has nothing to do with his weight for me. Um, like, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a physiologist. I know exactly what I'm right. talking about. But like when I watch him play defense, it's not because he's over, like, and I also do, I don't think that he's like, like he's, he's built. It's not like he's right. just like, um, like pudgy or anything like that. Like, I think he just, the defense is just flat out bad. I think he is, probably the worst wing defender that has a potential to go in the first round yes i would yeah. agree there and yeah and i was just bringing it up not because i thought he should lose weight or anything i just think that it's going to be it's going to get sad there are people it, are gonna be like well it, if it, he was just 235 well he would move so fine and i'm like exactly no. when people try to progress his defense they're gonna be like oh he just has to lose weight and he'll be better and i'm not sure that first of all that will be true but second of all is that actually the best for his style of play if he like if he does go into using his strength and his body to get to the basket more often and he already uses his strength to create shots in the mid-range maybe that body type is what's going to help him succeed as well yeah, exactly. Because like I think if you remove that aspect of him offensively, I think that you lose a lot of what makes him interesting. Exactly. Because like, um, I mean, I think I was probably a little bit too harsh, or I didn't explain it well enough when I was talking about the strength. Because like he uses it well to create space for himself. I just want to see it more on the drives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like I think if you remove a lot of that, and it's like okay, so we just took away some something that makes him as exciting as he is. Like that's, I think that there's a problem with that. The defensive issues to me are more so on his footwork is very bad. Um, he's really bad at using only one plane of motion. So like he'll either only defend with his feet or only defend with his hands. Um, so that means he'll close out, but not really great technique. So then he'll get blown by or he'll be sliding his feet on the perimeter, but he doesn't use his arms at all. So he gets blown by 
or he sticks his arms out and fouls somebody because he doesn't move his feet too. So I think those are things that you can clean up eventually, but I think it's like it's like disaster levels right now. Um, he gets back cut all the time. Um, he does not really provide any kind of resistance at the point of attack. Um, I would actually almost say he's a worse point of attack defender than he is help defender because of how little resistance he gives at the point of attack. Um, they're both just they're not to like be he does harsh, not defend on, in the post well. Like yeah. he gets bodied in the post, and like to me, that's straight up. That's that has nothing to do with him with his weight. That's straight up like a. I don't think his defensive effort is great if we're being honest. Um, but b. That's like that's just flat out bad technique. It has nothing to do with him being what he what he is body type wise yeah he he loses um his man off the ball as well so often and he doesn't make stuff happen off the ball either so like he's creating stuff and he he just falls asleep on defense a lot there's not like unfortunately like i'm not trying to be too harsh but i think we agree like there's there's not too many positives to take away from there's really not anything he excels at right now exactly um but if we're trying to look at it from a projection standpoint is there anywhere that you are looking at where you can be like, okay, I can see him providing some value here. Do you think that that would be him becoming more strong, holding his ground in the post and maybe being like a, a smaller guy who can defend the post with his, with strength. Do you think that's more likely than him improving how he moves on the perimeter or helping off the ball? Uh, I think that's a good question. Cause like, I do just want to point out on the, uh, on the off-ball defense aspect. Like, he had a really good game against Purdue offensively, but I think it's worth noting, too, as Purdue just, like, absolutely, like, Ohio State could not stop Purdue. Like, they had nothing to stop them, and a lot of that was every single action they ran was targeted to to attack Bryce off the ball. Like, so they would, like, you know, um, run his man off a wheel and then into an exit screen and, like, stuff like that. Anything that, like, and, and then have them lift. So, like, there was a lot of times where, Bryce will just like overhelp into the lane and then his guy shifts like five or six feet. And it's like, Oh, time to go put out a fire. And like, it just like so often Ohio state, everything they were doing in that Purdue game was to try and put out fires for Bryce making mistakes defensively. And again, it's not to be overly harsh, just pointing out Um, with respect to like improving. It's not even like, I I think kind of what you hit it. Like, like he has a big wingspan. Like, I don't know what his official listed wingspan is, but in watching him, I think it's pretty clear that he's a plus wingspan guy and like significantly. Um, I think for me, he probably needs to be more of somebody who can defend at the point of attack for me. Uh, just because like you're mentioning, like I think there's value to having somebody who can, who can be a smaller guy who can be strong and defend in the post. Like, I think that you want to see that from him too. Like obviously he needs versatility as a defender. Um, but I think, if he's playing at the four, I just wonder what kind of what what that means for his offensive value. Um, because I think part of like we've talked about, like I think some of the value for him is like, okay, can he really bully some defenders who are like sized um, and use that strength to open things up that creates problems for defenses? And I think if you have him at the four, not that he's like not important or useful. I think a lot will depend on like shot versatility and how he improves as a movement shooter. Um, but like, I do think a lot of my questions would be like, okay, well, I feel like you're losing some of what makes him good if you have to play him at the four. 
I don't disagree there. I also do think you might be able to find some other ways to use him on offense against the four. I think that, yeah. like, like I mentioned, I do think his first step is actually pretty solid. People have been able to recover in front of him. I think it would be harder for fours to recover um, to get back in front of him if he's attacking them. Um, maybe he might be able to break down fours off a dribble more often. We just haven't been able to see that um, too much either. So I do think that um bob's a good point to bring up that you might lose some of the stuff he brings in offense i think there is a point that he might still you might get some more stuff as well on offense as well so something to think about but yeah i'm not sure where i stand there yet we still have time to figure that out there's something to bring up um one other thing one more thing i wanted to bring up is interesting enough um Ohio State's actually been better with him off the floor than on the floor so far this year. And that also includes offense. They're they're actually scoring more with him off the court than on the court. Um, very, very small difference there, but it's not like he's had the, the a big difference on, on the offense overall. But on Oscar, always something interesting to look at that doesn't mean you need to take too much away from it, but just interesting to note. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, and I do think part of that just speaks out to what he brings. I think like, um, and that's not to say, I think some people will look at me like, oh, well then he's less valuable or something like that. I think it's more so just like, okay, it talks about other areas of his game where he needs to round out. Cause if the shot doesn't fall, it's like, what is his impact on the game? Um, So, yeah, Um, I think for me, like, I, I mean, I still think that he is very comfortably, I mean, he's, he's entrenched as like a, a top 20 guy in the class for right now just yeah, because of the the kind of creation that he's bringing and um the potential that he has with with his skill set yeah unless his shot like falls off a cliff the rest of the way i think he's a 100 percent a first round guy and then I, I would say even if there's some regression to the shooting like we've seen recently as long as it doesn't go like too bad i, I think top 20 still as well um but yeah the the defense concerns are definitely worth noting same with the um getting to the rim or the lack thereof getting to the rim um but i do think there has been passing flashes i do think the mid-range shot making is so good we didn't touch about our three-point shooting but he's obviously a good three-point shooter like we just went for so long talking about him and he's shooting 46 percent from three and we didn't mention that right so yeah he's he's a, he's a really good shooter as well good free throw shooter um but yeah i really really interesting prospect um but but a fun one to watch even though there are some some flaws definitely um all right well i know we wanted to briefly talk about some of the yukon prospects do you still want to do that yeah we can do that we, we've we've talked about them a little bit recently so we don't have to go too in depth on them but i i think that um Jordan Hawkins and Andre Jackson are, are two interesting guys to talk about. We can start with Jordan Hawkins, who you and I have both said that we think he um, deserves first round consideration. But I'll I'll let you start off and go into more of what you want to talk about with him. Yeah, I mean, the I is he? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. He's probably one of the. I mean, not one of like he is without question top five shooter in the draft. Um, probably a little bit higher like the that's tough that I, that's maybe really, without question might be too because this is actually it's, it's ironically really this tough. is a very have, good shooting have, draft we have great howard Dick, brandon miller howard. yeah it's, it's really really tough to say that and like we still have like there's there's just so many good i did too much class. yeah no I no no I, uh, and it's not that because he's a really really good shooter and and he has shot versatility and everything it's just that this is a very very intriguing class of shooters which it's it's fun yeah um well point being awesome movement shooter like 
he's really not somebody who's a pull up guy right now. Like, or uh, I mean, he he can like it's not that they just like mainly it's okay. Um, as a lot of it's if there's not something immediately open up, he's a ball reversal guy, and most teams do not go under on him because uh, that's stupid. Um, but the move again, movement shooting is really really legit. How do you feel about the passing? Because I've had like mixed reviews on the passing. I think the passing is pretty good um, for what his archetype is and what he's asked to do. Yeah, I I think the the passing he's had some solid passing games. I'm trying to remember which game it was specifically um, that the passing looked good to me. I can't remember the top of my head, but yeah, I I think the passing is pretty solid. Another thing that's that stood out to me recently is I think the rebounding has been awesome recently. I think he does a good job boxing out and finding a body, and he's able to to just have some contested rebounds, which is always nice at the guard spot. Um, so yeah, I, I think even without the shot, like that that's that's why I like him is obviously the shot is the main sell for him, and if he's not a good shooter, okay, he's probably not going to succeed just because that's the sell for him, but. He's been showing good rebounding for a guard. He has some passing flashes. I do think that um, the off-ball defense is good. Now, I, I do think that recently when I've I, I've talked about his off-ball defense a lot, I do think recently he has been getting a bit lost off the ball more so than I had thought. But on the other hand, I still think he shows a lot more advanced reads than a lot of other players do in this class. And, in the cl- and maybe that just stands out more because I have – um so th- this class does feel like there's guys who i question their feel on defense more often than not um so maybe it's just because of the class it stands out more with him than it has in the past but i do still think he's making more advanced reads than other players so like so off ball defense and and passing and rebounding and the shooting versatility all is is really intriguing with him yeah um, I think you hit on a lot of great things there. Obviously, UConn has been in a bit of a skid recently, and part of that is in tune with him having some of his worst shooting games. Um, like overall, I think we're just talking more like this team has really hit a rough spot. It happens to every team. I'm interested to see how they bounce back. He had a really good game against St. John's too, after you know, mm-hmm. probably like you know, three out of his four games were kind of rough. Um but exactly like you're hitting on it, I think what's been fun this year, he's still somebody like you want to see him really improve through contact. But he's been really good at, even if he's not finishing, just drawing contact in general. Like, he's good getting into the paint. And while he's only shooting 41% on twos this year, he gets fouled on a lot of his drives to the rim because he's good at, at using his arms just to draw contact. Like, even I'm trying to think, if you if you pull, so since Christmas, he's averaging six free throws a contest. And that's not Boone just by having like one high free throw game. Like every game except for one, he was he got to the line five or more times. What one thing I do want to add with him is I do think some of his not 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 I think, but some of his free throws come from getting fouled on threes. Yeah, and then that becomes three three shots. Obviously, um, I do think with him the ability to get to the rim and finishing is definitely something to to think about and 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 know because it's, it's not great, but. Um, I think there have been plays where he's coming off those pin downs or staggers and he cu- and he curls and he's able to get to the basket and have like an extension finish around the contest. I think there is some flashes there. But yeah, just, when talking about the free throws, I just want to note that he does get fouled on threes like fairly often. I think more than other players in this class. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. And I think my point's more so just like, I think that well, the finishing on paper doesn't necessarily, I mean, it, it, it isn't good right now at the rim, like just being mm-hmm. point blank. But I do think it's worth noting too, like there have been real strides from last year compared to where it was. 
Um, so I think that's worth noting when you're talking about his projection in his future, because um, I just like in general, I feel pretty good about what his trajectory could be as a finisher at the rim, especially if he gets drafted in the right place. Um, so worth noting. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. he probably has some more like on, not that he'd ever be some like main on ball guy, but I, I do think he has a little bit more to his game there than he's shown. And I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if that improves at the next level. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you want to talk about Andre Jackson now? Yeah, so I'll start here. Um, I, I think the conversation around him this year is is just really, really interesting because he makes so many impactful plays on defense. And even in transition on offense, like when he grabs a rebound, he pushes the pace so quickly. And it's it's a reason that UConn has had success because he's able to push the pace and he makes good decisions as well um, in transition. But the half-court offense is, is extremely harmful. And, and even when he's knocking down some shots, uh, teams still aren't really like closing out on him. They, they really are giving him the, okay, we are going to defend you from six, seven feet off three-point line. Please shoot. Please shoot. And maybe like not until he makes his fourth shot is like, okay, maybe we should adjust how we're defending you. There, that, I try to remember which game. Was it the the Xavier game that he, yeah, he took 12 threes. First of all, the, the Xavier game was the Jordan Hawkins passing game that I like, by the way. Um, but yeah, I think that the Xavier game is you see him where he makes threes that game. They still lose the game with him making threes because I, I still think that it still hurts the offense of how they're defending. And like, they're able to bring another guy to help on Sonogo in the post instead of having to defend Andre Jackson from three. And it's just really, really harmful for an offense. And I think that, is going to, and I've mentioned it before, where like UConn's a really, really good team this year, but I think a lot of their success can come down to if he's having a good shooting game or not and how teams are going to defend him because it's just really hard. And um, just, it's just really hard in general to defend him. And as of January 1st, I don't have the updated numbers right now. I can get them if we want, but he was actually 0 for 9 on guarded catch and shoot threes this year. He hadn't made one yet. Um, six for 19 as a whole on cash and shoot threes, which is 24%. And he was 41%, seven for 17 on off the dribble threes. Um, I actually can get those updated numbers right now as I continue to talk. But yeah, it's just really interesting with him that um, the 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 offense is tough. And I think that I want to ask you, while I look at these numbers is how have you viewed Herb Jones this year and how like his shot has not the same that it was last year, right? The offense yeah. is a little bit regressed. How do you feel um, his impact on offense has been and how teams are defending him? Uh, I think it's been tough because he's hitting a stage of teams are laying off of him. Teams are just like, okay, we're just going to switch against you. Um, and so right now, I mean, the Pelicans have really resorted to a lot more of letting him become a DHO option, um, which I think, is working but like for who he needs to be as a player the shot has to come back around and i think part of it like i believe in it coming back around to a degree not to being you know a 40 percent shot like it was last year um but i also think like we've just seen it be better than this um where i would struggle because i think I, I think i understand where you're going here where i would struggle is like herb is a really solid ball handler for somebody his size Oh so yeah, he's I was capable. Going to, yeah, I was yeah, going so, to say like he's not even to the level of defender that Herb is, or like a ball hand. Like I was going well, to get it, to this point yeah, as well. But. Exactly, because I think that's part of the difficulty. Because I think I have seen a lot of Andre Jackson excitement, and I want things to work out for him genuinely. 
But I think what's difficult is even going back to college, Herb was a much better ball handler and driver. Right now, like even attacking a wide open closeout or like not having a closeout, if you just attack wide, like if he has 10 feet of space, I don't trust Andre Jackson to dribble into it right now. Um, I yeah. just like even uh, attacking off the dribble has been a problem. Finishing, especially off of attacking off the dribble, has been a problem for him. Um, like he just does not seem very comfortable doing it. A lot of the fouls that he gets are offensive fouls because he jumps because he won't take a shot and he goes to pass the ball and somebody goes under and he ends up like getting undercut. Um, I feel like I've noted that so many times. And that again, that's not to be unfair. Like the passing is very good. Like he does a lot of really good things, but without like the, the level of scoring that he is at is so underwhelming that it really negates what his passing brings. Yeah. And not to like, and I hate this is the case, but I did say, like for Herb Jones, the reason I bring him up is because people are going to use him as an example of why, like, you should take a chance on someone who who can't shoot, um, who could bring value in other areas. Um, I, I will say, like, before this year, and I, I hate it has been true so far, and I hope it, it goes back. But like, I did say that, like, it wouldn't be surprising to me if Herb Jones shot regressed and he goes back to being like a not like the best kind of rotation player you can ask for, where it's more inconsistent in what he brings to the floor. Obviously, his defense is still really, really good to where he's always bringing value there. But when you're a team that has these playoff aspirations and all this kind of stuff, the offense is harmful. And it, it's very clear. And I think that it's worth bringing up because people are I've already seen people do it and people will continue to do it is I'm not calling anyone out specifically just that like you can't really use Herb Jones as an example of why you should take a chance on Andre Jackson, because um, first of all, Herb Jones is a much, I think a much better, Andre Jackson is a good defender. Herb Jones is still a much better defender, in my opinion. I think Herb Jones was better with the ball. Herb Jones, his last year at Alabama, he still shot 35% from three. He actually showed improvement there as well. And on top of all of that, you're starting to see he still can be a problem on offense this year as well. So like all of those things combined is why I don't think you can use him as the full reason to why you want to take a chance on Andre Jackson. Now, I do think that you can use some stuff about how the evaluation around Herb went and why you should still take a look at him. But like, I wouldn't say, oh, Andre Jackson's the first round guy because look at what Herb Jones is doing. I don't think you can do that. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. I think a lot of great stuff there. Um, did you have anything else going on him? Because I think I'm good. Um. No, I, I do want to give the updated numbers. I just checked right now. He's 0 for 10 on guarded cash and shoot threes, 6 for 29 um, on just cash and shoot threes in general. Um, so just it's just really, really tough. The shot is, is really tough. And I honestly don't think his touch is that good either. So um, it's, it's a little bit tough. And I actually, going back to Herb Jones, I actually didn't like his finishing too much. I think that has improved um, compared to where it was at Alabama. But but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. I know we want to do a couple honorable mentions, just some guys that we both have had it up on our radar, and I'll let you start. Yeah, so I, I want to talk about Bryce Williams from Charlotte. Um, he has been incredible over, I guess, since like the – last week or two of december um some quick stuff with him he's a redshirt junior he actually didn't play last year with a knee injury and he's been coming off the bench so all of that for like a mid-major guy is not intriguing whatsoever when you look at that 
but when you watch him play and he had back-to-back 31 point games um but when you and, and it wasn't just like oh it was some nice shot making it was really nice off ball movement for cuts some tough shot making in the mid-range making some threes really good finisher at the basket with both hands i think he has i think he um has shown some smart defensive rotation i think he can lose his man at times but he's been smart on defense for the most part he's had some very nice passes there's a lot to like about his game um to where at, at the very least he should be there should be an eye like you should be keeping an eye on him going forward at the very least not someone that i'm 100 oh you need to draft him right now i think he is most likely at least worth a two-way from what I've seen so far. But just in general, he's someone that I just want to keep an eye on going forward and someone that I think more people should at least be aware of, even though he is coming off the bench as a redshirt junior at Charlotte. Like, that doesn't sound good, but I think just knowing he's coming off a knee injury and maybe that's why his minutes are a little bit lower. Um, but yeah, back-to-back 31-point games, and and he's just been, over the last two weeks, I... um he's had like he's top 20 in bpm over like the last two and a half weeks so he's just been a really dominant player recently well i definitely want to check that out um it's somebody i've not gotten around to excuse me to seeing yet but he's on my radar because of you now um guy on my radar who i actually just wrote about uh before the weekend is bryce hopkins at providence um he has been one of the just total breakout guys of this season after really riding the bench not being consistently in the rotation for Kentucky last year he transferred um Providence of course just lost to Creighton um which was their first loss since just after Thanksgiving um this team's been really good they've played a pretty solid schedule too um just because the Big East has been really good their non-con was like pretty average but um Bryce is interesting because he's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, wing. Uh, I would call him more of a forward than a wing um, who is like super bruising, like abs- extremely physical player, um, brings a lot of intrigue with his ability to drive the basketball, to face up, um, to attack off the catch. And I think that's worth noting. Like, I, And this is part of what I wrote about. Like, It's worth noting where he's getting the ball, how and and why. Um, and I think a lot of the drawbacks right now are that his handle is solid for a four. It's not really where you need it to be, to be like somebody who's creating a ton of shots as a wing. So like it's different, different player for sure. But like the same kind of idea of what you see with like Lowry Markin and TJ Warren, a guy who you can use in a lot of ways, but there are limitations to his handle to actually create his own shot. And that's changed for Lowry this year for sure. And um, I think, you know, obviously TJ has shown a ton, but like the idea is, there are inherent limitations to being a guy who has a pretty average handle without like crazy bursts. Um, but he's getting to the line seven times a game. He's like, I think top 10 in the, in free throws in the NCAA right now, he leads the big East in free throws drawn. He's a very below the rim finisher for a size. I think he's before the Creighton game. So I don't have the full, full numbers, but before the Creighton game, he was shooting 42% on layups. Um, which is not great. So like for, for reference, like Chris Murray was shooting above 55% on layups. Um, Maxwell Lewis was shooting 48% on layups. Um, so like you're talking about a guy like, yes, it's worth noting. Like part of that is because he's getting fouled, but also those guys are getting fouled too. It's not like he's the only person who gets fouled in, in basketball. Um, the other thing too, the idea of the shot is there. He's been a shooter before when he was a prospect in Illinois um he's only shooting about two threes per game right now and he's shooting well but part of the issue is his release is really slow 
Um, his shot prep isn't the quickest. Uh, I don't think that there's a ton of variety in shot. Part of that can be just Providence's offense. They do a lot of ball movement and just trying to get east-west looks. Um, there's not really built-in movement sets or anything, so I'd be interested to see that stuff. I think right now, I after writing it, I think I went from being maybe he slips into the first round this year um, to thinking he's probably more of a next year guy because I really think the shot has to come around and on on high volume for him to be somebody I'm really interested by because he's kind of caught in between positions right now defensively. Like he's a little bit too small to be this help side for like he has some okay defensive possessions as a help side guy. I don't think his off ball defense is great. He can stay in front of some guys, um, but he's also not like the fleetest of foot. So he's like a little bit awkwardly caught, caught in between positions as a defender while also not quite being uh, ready as an offensive player outside of being a really good play finisher. But the playmaking flashes are very good. Like the playmaking flashes are legit from him, um, especially in the open court. You see a lot of stuff on, you know, when he gets design post-ups and ability to draw two, he has really good sense for how to attack and even manipulate defenses sometimes from there. Um, but again, like I think you need to see more come out from A, his handle, and B, just his defensive feel improving too before I feel a little bit more confident in him as a prospect. But he's doing really interesting stuff. Yeah, I still want to watch more of him. I watched a little bit of Bryce Hopkins and Providence as a whole, um, but I have a few more games that I have on my schedule to watch. Um, but in that UConn game, it was just, you and I have talked about it, but some of UConn's um, weaknesses recently and why they haven't looked as good is because the defense is just vulnerable at times. And I think that he just dominated every time Caravan was trying to defend him and and like you brought up like doesn't have the best handle or the best burst but he was still getting to the rim against his strength is crazy yeah and (laughs) will which should be fair is probably not the best sign for caravan either but yeah um yeah that's what stood out in that game while you've been watching a lot of providence recently and wrote about him did anything with um sorry did anything with devin carter stand out at all not really. Um, I will like I think they're 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 a good team because they've again like they move the ball really well and I think their defense is really solid. It's better than I think the just like straight up defensive rating uh probably projects right now. Um but like he he shows some ability to create some tough shots getting in the lane, but it's mostly like again, it's like mostly tough shot stuff. I don't think that it's um anything that I was super interested in prospect wise. Okay. And then one last guy I want to mention is just Vernon Pajemski from Santa Clara. Um, been watching a lot of WCC recently. Um, and yeah, I think he's a really intriguing guy. I do have some concerns with his ability to create good looks. Um, I think that there's just a lot of uh, tough shots that he makes. And I think he's pretty good at creating shots, but it's always like, okay, I'm going to, I can't get all the way to the rim. It's I settle for floaters. I settle for floaters. I settle for floaters. And he is one of like, I forgot how many, I think he's like one of seven or one of eight players this year with already 50, 50 floater attempts, which is an insane number already. Um, But yeah, I think that when you have that many floaters, like, Floaters are a really good part to have of your game. It, it's really good to have that part of your skill set. But when you're shooting them that often, it sometimes does speak to 
your inability to get all the way to the rim and finish in traffic. And I think that is the case. It's not always the case, but it's the case the majority of times. I think it is for him as well. I do think that in the, um, one of their recent games, he he did have like probably the best attack off the dribble that I saw. I'm um, just from a standstill beating his guy baseline and getting all the way to the rim in crunch time as well, which is very nice. But yeah, I want to see him get to the rim more often and, and create better looks because even, even on his mid-range shots, I think he is able to create some nice space with step backs. And I think that his handle is good. I just don't think he uses it as well as he could. I think he could be more effective with it. I think mm-hmm. the way for him to succeed and the way for him to improve is more using being more creative with his handle and using change of pace. I think that's his avenue to success more than um anything else so if he can do that i think that will be able to help him get better looks and get all the way to the rim and i think if that does happen he's actually a really intriguing prospect but i want to see that happen um but yeah he, he's an intriguing prospect in the wcc and we we've seen a lot of those guys recently um just come out of the wcc we saw kester edwards and and outside of gonzaga right kester edwards jalen williams um so it's always interesting to keep an eye on those kind of guys definitely Well, Zach, this has been a blast. Again, to everyone listening, if you haven't already, be sure to rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, And join us on Playback tomorrow at 7 EST to watch Kansas, Kansas State. It's going to be a blast. Enjoy the rest of your day. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.